Hey folks, my name is Ike Morgan and we are down in Alabama. Now, we're literally down in Alabama covering as much news as we can from Lookout Mountain to Mobile Bay. And Down in Alabama is also the name of our show. We spend about three to five minutes daily going over a handful of news and culture stories that are a mix of the top stories and maybe the most overlooked stories and sometimes just the most Alabama stories of the day. Now, there's not a strict definition of what the most Alabama stories of the day are, but you know them when you see them. So y'all come on by and give us a listen and bring a sense of humor because we take the news seriously, but not ourselves. The show is called Down in Alabama, and we're available wherever you listen to your podcasts. For AL.com, I'm Ben Flanagan. This is Outbreak Alabama, stories from a pandemic. I was in the fight for my life. I mean, I thought, okay, I have something that can, for the first time in my life, that can possibly kill me. So now i got to fight it. Today we hear from Karen Scott, a bookkeeper at a school in Franklin County, and an ER registration clerk at Russellville Hospital. Karen contracted coronavirus in May. Even after taking every possible precaution, she tested positive. While in good health, at 50 years old, she thought she would be in the fight for her life. As the virus rages on in Alabama, Karen said she hopes that people will soon begin to take it more seriously. I spoke to Karen about what she thought when she was diagnosed, the stress that she has even after her recovery, and what she hopes others might learn from her experience and survival. My name is Karen Scott. I live in Hodges, Alabama, in Franklin County. And I am a full-time bookkeeper at a local county school. And I basically work full-time in ER registration. So you tried your best to keep from contracting COVID-19. But what happened? Well, I really honestly do not know how I contracted it. Because, I mean, once like schools got out and everything and they suggested, you know, staying home and everything other than going to work, I stayed home. I bought my groceries up a month ahead of time, like maybe twice. I had to go because I have an elderly mother and me and my siblings, you know, take turns. But we bought her groceries up too. So, like I said, other than going to work and like at work, did everything the hospital had us do. I even actually did extra. I would, no matter if I needed to or not, I washed my hands every 30 minutes at work. I uh, sanitized all the time. It was just the craziest thing. And, I mean, I felt I was taking every precaution that needed to be taken to keep from getting it. And Sunday, May the 1st, I started having just this little dry hat cough. Just like once an hour, I would just be like, <laughs> you know, just that. Just the strangest thing. And I was like, well, it's a polony day. It must be allergies or something, you know. And... It never got any worse. Like I said, it was just I would do that maybe twice, once an hour. Well, I go to bed. I wake up Monday, May the 2nd. I knew when I opened my eyes I had it. I mean, I had every symptom. I was running a pretty high fever. So I've had strep throat several times. I had the worst sore throat I've ever had in my life. I was coughing my head off, which is a, it's a total different cough than anything I've ever had. Just a real dry, hack cough, but it was just constant. My head 
was so stopped up and my ears were so full of fluid. I mean, I, I knew. I just, I knew. So I, I was supposed to go into work that afternoon. I actually think I was supposed to work at the hospital 12, like a 12 to 8 shift that day. So I called my boss because even though I worked over a year, I'd only called in sick once, even though it's my second job. And I, I told him, he said, you sound sick. I said, I am. I started telling him my symptoms. So our infectious control officer, he talked to her and she had me come in and they tested me. The results came back a little over 24 hours later. She called me the next night and she was just, cause I know her, you know, it's a small hospital. She just sort of kept talking about everything else. And I just finally said, Elise, I have it, don't I? She just said, Karen, I'm so sorry. I said, I knew it. I knew when I opened my eyes, it was a different sick than I'd ever had in my life. What did you think when you first learned you tested positive? I was in the fight for my life. I mean, I thought, okay, I have something that can, for the first time in my life, that can possibly kill me. So now I got to fight it. And my second thought was to contact everybody that I may have possibly come in contact with. If you had to guess, and I'm sure you have, how do you think you contracted it? I think I, I honestly think I contracted it after working at the hospital. Because somehow, some way, something had to happen. That's the only place I really could have contracted it was at the hospital. You said that you had every symptom imaginable. Can you just sort of describe the feeling of having it? Well, I'll I'll tell you, my best way of describing it, if you've had any of these, I felt as if and I've had all three at points in my life. I felt I was fighting the flu, strep throat, and mono all at the same time. The fatigue was unimaginable. To get out of bed, which I, I mean, I had an N95 because I worked at the hospital, and my children, you know, my, which they're adults, they still live with me. And so, you know, I secluded myself to my bedroom immediately. If I had to leave my bedroom, which I would need something to drink because I didn't want them coming in there, you know, because I was trying to stay hydrated as much as possible when I could stay awake. I would put my N95 on because I was coughing and I didn't want to spread the germs through the house, even though I probably already had any more, you know, just in case they didn't get and they cleaned as soon as I told them they disinfected everything. So I'd wear my N95. I'd go fix me something to drink, some water or something, you know, my sister and other family members were bringing me stuff. At the top of my car was a drop-off destination. I would walk out and get it, or the kids would, and leave it in the kitchen. If I went and picked me something to drink, I would drink a little bit. And I mean, the fatigue, just that little bit of effort, the fatigue was so bad, I would have to come back and take a nap. It was my throat, which like I said, I've had strep throat several times in my life. Nothing would touch my sore throat. I was taking, which taken for fever, I was taking, I, I was rotating ibuprofen and Tylenol every three hours. And I was using chloroseptic spray, gargling with salt when I could. Nothing would get rid of my sore throat. It is the worst sore throat I've ever had. My head congestion and the fluid on my ears was worse than any sinus infection I ever had. And then, I mean, luckily for me, I only had a little bit of smothering. My goal, my first thing was, which I had bought when the, you know, when the virus first came out and they started telling, I immediately, like that week, when they started telling about it, I went and, which my sister was a respiratory therapist, so she sort of educated us on it. 
she gave us a list of things to stock up on just in case we got it. And it was like Tylenol, ibuprofen, uh, Mucinex D, some things like that. So I had that on hand to start taking. And my first thought was I've got to keep this from getting more congestion in my lungs than it already feels like. So I immediately started taking Mucinex D because I knew, you know, if it got severe in my lungs instead of a pneumonia or something, we're looking at ventilator, going into the hospital and being on a ventilator. And I'm, I have no underlying health issues whatsoever. I mean, I'm a very healthy person. But um, and I just I had a little chest congestion. But I mean, even though I just had little chest congestion, I, st- I mean, I still had smothering. When you say smothering, what do you mean? Just a, just a shortness of breath. I felt I could not get a complete deep breath. I would get winded easy if I, you know, if I walk. I mean, it was just a more struggle to breathe than how I normally was every day. And this lasted roughly 18 days? Yeah. I felt real bad for about five days, all those just bad symptoms. Well, things started clearing up a little bit. My fever, you know, even with me rotating Tylenol and ibuprofen, my fever maintained pretty much around 100.4 for the first five days. After that, after about five days, with the Tylenol ibuprofen, well, I quit rotating it so much. Every three hours, I seemed to do a little bit. At least try to get one six hours and the other one as needed. My fever, it stayed around 99. That's basically what it stayed around after about five days. Felt my symptoms started clearing up. Still had sore throat, but not as bad. About five days right there. Well, I went about three days. Okay, I'm feeling better. I beat this. You know, I'm beating it. We're over the hump. I wake up about day four, boom, bottom of the roller coaster. Here it all comes back. <laughs> and so that's what I was on. I was on a roller coaster effect of which my nurse practitioner, I have a great nurse practitioner, she would she wouldn't call me like every morning, but she might like she has my had my personal number so she would text me because I really didn't feel like talking. I had no energy to talk on the phone. It just would wear me out. She would call me at night or text me. She was checking on me at least twice a day. And, you know, she was telling me right at the get-go, okay, this is probably what's going to happen. Because I, I had a pretty moderate case of it. It was not a mild case. It was pretty moderate. It wasn't the most severe, but it was a very, you know, I was teeter-tottering between moderate and severe. So I said, you know, I'm, I'm feeling better. These three days, I feel like I'm getting some energy and everything. Wake up that fourth day, just as bad as I was May the 2nd. And I mean, I'll be honest with you, that day I woke up and I hear it all was just as bad as it was May the 2nd. That's when, I mean, I broke down and cried. And I, I think it was just crying from, you know, you're tired. I mean, I, I'm, I'm tired. You know, I had a little glimmer of hope and then here I am. So I was on, I went 18 days doing that. You know, it would be worse for maybe like three days, get better for a day or two, start feeling a little bit better. Here I would go downhill again. And so at about day 18, it just started moderately getting better and never went downhill again. Well, that's great. I'm, I'm so glad that you were able to get through it in the way that you did. It sounds like you had a great support system, but you were never hospitalized, correct? No. I thought at one point, I mean, we were thinking at one point about day three, 
that was probably my worst day overall, second, third, about, about May 4th. That was probably my worst day. I woke up that day really short of breath. You know, I called my nurse practitioner and I said, okay, I think I'm going to end up in the hospital. That's the only day I really thought I was going to end up in the hospital. I said, I just, I feel like I cannot hardly breathe today. So she immediately called me in, you know, an inhaler, some breathing treatment. My sister, you know, she, she's getting off work because she works night shift hospital. She's getting off work, you know, no sleep. Being like she is, she goes, which like I said, I had my daughter would go pick up stuff, my son, my daughter-in-law to be. They were all, you know, really taking care of me. So she goes and picks up breathing treatment inhaler, you know, and which, you know, the thing about the breathing treatment says, you know, you do it, you're expelling the virus into the air with the breathing treatment. So I would go outside and do the breathing treatment when I know knew it was going to be a while before my kids got home and stuff. And that really, that helped me through that day. And as far as by May 5th, you know, I did the breathing treatments that day, was using the inhaler some, and I took an extra mucinex on my own because I was like, okay, I've got to fight this. I have got to hit this with everything I can to keep this from getting more in my lungs. I've got to do this, you know. And uh, so May 5th, I woke up. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm better. The smothering, the chest congestion is better today. So, you know, I was like, okay, maybe I'm not going to end up in the hospital. <laughs> I mean, it, it was a fear. I'm, I'm telling you, even though I really didn't feel like being afraid, I mean, it, it's it's just a fear. I mean, because I, you know, I know I'm, I'm I know I'm in a fight for my life here. You mentioned some fears that you had when you reached out to me. What did you mean when it came down to it? What were you afraid of? Just the thoughts of being put on a ventilator. You know, I'm a Christian. I have a pretty sound faith. You know, I'm 50. I've lived a good life. I wasn't 50 at the actually I turned 50 during during my fight for COVID-19. And so actually bought me a shirt that said that, you know. <laughs> Just the fear of the thoughts of maybe having to go into the hospital and be put on the ventilator. I mean, I don't, I don't, and just having to be there alone, knowing that I would be in the hospital without a family member by my side, possibly the fight that severe, you know. And you said that you've struggled since your recovery. In what way? I have PTSD, horrible. I mean, I, I really do. Because, you know, in the South right now, it's sort of allergy season. And, like, my vocal cords, I guess because my throat was hit so hard from, you know, the sore throat and everything, uh, it, my voice gets tired more now. And so I, at times, like, well, I have some, you know, maybe some sinus drainage or something from allergies, something. And I might be, like, at night, my throat will start hurting. Well, instantly... If my throat starts hurting, the first thought pops in my brain is, oh, my gosh, I've got COVID-19 again. I mean, and it and it scares me. And I worry about it because, I mean, they say you can't get it again, but they can't tell you that 100%. And I honestly feel like at this point in my life, because I had it, you know, pretty moderately case of it, if I contract it again right now, I honestly believe it would kill me. I mean, I, without a doubt, I believe it would kill me if I got it again right now. And that and that's my fear. I mean, you might not be afraid to die, but you don't want to die at 50 years. You know what I'm saying? You know, like, I know some people who's had it, and they're like, well, I'll never have to wear a mask again. Well, by George, I wear my mask. If I go, and I don't, I try not to go out in public. 
I still follow all my safeguards. Are you back working in the ER? I am working in the ER and, you know, back at school, which nobody's really at school. I'm pretty much there by myself. But, uh, yeah, I'm back. I'm back there. I've been back there about two weeks. And so what were your feelings about the virus before you contracted it? You work in an ER, so my presumption is that you've taken it very seriously. But across the country and in the South, a lot of people are dismissive of it, whether they think it's a hoax or they see a low mortality rate in their eyes or they think it's like the flu. What were your feelings about it? I try to be an educated person. You know, I, I do my own research. I try to look at all the facts. Try to look over, you know, I try to look over the fear factors of things, of the hopes of things. I try to just really dig deep. I've always been that type of person. And, and you know, and I like I said, I do have a sister that's, you know, been a respiratory therapist for over 20 years. And uh, I have, uh, my niece is a doctor in Colorado. And so, you know, there, Colorado was getting it before Alabama was. So she was telling us things, you know, she said, this is what we're saying. You know, so she said, we're saying kidney failure, whatever is going on with COVID-19, it is creating blood clots. She said, it's doing something to the body to throw blood clots, make people develop blood clots. And we're saying kidney failure about it. So she immediately told us to get aspirin, baby aspirin, start taking one a day. She said, because we're seeing people that don't even really have major symptoms that are coming in and going on life support and going on the ventilator because they're having, they're going, having strokes and kidney failure and things like that because of blood clots. So right off the bat, we, you know, we start taking an aspirin a day. So, and you know, because I'm more in the medical field, you know, I'm seeing people all around me because I live in Franklin County, you know, and you go out in Franklin County right now and even with, the safe at home orders the governor issued and everything. I mean, you go to Russell, the place is packed out. And I'm like, what are these people thinking? I mean, I took it serious. I mean, right off the bat, you know, okay, we go talk to our mother. You are not leaving the house. We don't come go around her to this day. We don't. We meet her outside. We stay social distance from her. If we get her something, we drop off. You know, if we do have to go in her house, we wear a mask. You know, was blown away by people that, like, even family members that was not taking it serious because I knew, I knew it was serious. My last question for you, what do you want others to learn from your experience in survival? Just to take precautions. Wear your mask. Protect others. It's not just about ourselves right now. You know, one of my biggest fears when I got it was, the thoughts of not giving it to anyone else and you know life's not not life's honestly not about me it's about you know helping others and and what we can do to protect others and before i had it i wore a mask because i worked in the medical field the main reason i wore a mask was i knew there was a chance i would have it and and you know you can have it and not necessarily know you have it at the beginning and so i wore a mask protect others just in case I did have it. You know, now I'm more so wearing a mask to protect me right after having it because I don't want it again. But yet I still think, well, you know, if I do catch it again, I don't want to give it to anyone else. I mean, you can survive it. It's a very scary thing. I mean, like I said, I had a moderate case of it, very moderate case of it, but it is definitely, it's definitely a hard fight. If you get a moderate case of it, it's a hard fight to win. And it's, it's a struggle. I just wish people would take it more serious. And my biggest fear, one of my biggest fears right now, is kids going back to school. And I mean, that's something that weighs heavy on me. 
and it's not necessarily the, I mean, I know kids don't necessarily, you know, most kids are not getting severe cases of it. You know, it's just like a code for them. Might be a 24 hour fever, something like that. But it's more than just the kids. You know, like the school I work at, I would say 20 to 30% of our kids are raised by grandparents who are older and have underlying health issues. I worry about those kids contracting it at school. I mean, we can't even prevent flu from spreading at school. You know, I worry about the schools being able to sanitize and keep it out of the air and kids getting it and taking it home to their grandparents who that's all they have in the world to raise them. (laughs) Then what's going to happen? You know, there's a lot of things that you know, trouble me and worry me about going into the future with this because it's it's not dying down. Karen, thank you so much. Oh, thank you very much. Thank you for putting a voice behind the COVID-19. I just want people to be more aware. As of Wednesday... There were 48,588 confirmed cases in Alabama, with 1,042 confirmed deaths, according to the Alabama Department of Public Health. If you or anyone you know is affected by coronavirus and want to share your story, please email bflanagan at al.com. That's B-F-L-A-N-A-G-A-N at al.com. For all of our coverage on the outbreak and how it continues to impact Alabama, Visit al.com slash coronavirus. If you like the show, please rate us and write a review. Thanks for listening.